Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Story Not Forgotten podcast. We are brought to you by Capturing Legacies, because everyone has a story to tell, and it's time to tell yours. Visit CapturingLegacies.com to get started. My name is Liam Rathgaber, partner and anthologist with Capturing Legacies, as well as your host. And joining me today is a teacher. He is the director of the Northwest Mounted Police Commemorative Association Brass Band. He is the Hertog of the Vikings Vinland Society, as well as the owner of the Rocky Mountain Sidecar Adventures Company, which is how we first met, uh, Mr. Warren Cummins. Warren. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Because we do what we do without any ado, why don't you tell us a story? All right, well, I, I'd like to recount a tale I think you'll find quite humorous. Um, several years ago, I was teaching in Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories, and uh, we had a gentleman come to Yellowknife to do a scientific program. This is when the internet was very young, and what they were doing is they were going to take a snowmobile ride with uh, several Inuit people across the Arctic from um, Tuk to Yuktuk in the west, all the way over to Pangnirtung in the east, Wow! Uh, along the Arctic coast, promoting this interactive uh, online program called the GLOBE program. And what it was designed to do was to track environmental changes uh, all across the Arctic, and the kids and the students in each community could uh, sign in and report up to this. So we went to, we, we flew up to Tuck, and we got everything ready to go on this snowmobile trip. Now, uh, the fellow that came up, he was from Washington, D.C., and um, and uh, so we had before we went out. You know, you have to take all your provisions with you. You load your toboggans. You get everything ready to go. And and um, so they loaded provisions. And you know, it's very cold. This is this is probably March, mm-hmm. uh, early spring in the north, but still very cold for our our time of year. And um, you know, temperatures were running around the minus thirty, minus forty range up there. And so we took off. And the first couple of days out, we'd been eating canned food, and the, the, the canned food was, you know, it'd be frozen solid, and you'd set up your tent at night, and you'd have to hang your cans from a, a bar above the stove to thaw them before <laughs> you could cook them. And we had canned vegetables and this, that, and the other thing. And we never really paid attention too much to what the fellow from uh, Washington was eating. Uh, anyway, one of the things that was a treat always out there on the land like that when you're working with Inuit people is fresh game. Mm-hmm. So uh, somewhere along the path, uh, they managed to bring down a caribou, and they decided it was time to butcher the caribou. And so we were working through this and working through the caribou, and he started butchering the caribou on the ice, and uh, they offered the Inuit people offered him some fresh caribou meat. And he stopped, and he says, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> and of course, they all paused. And the Inuit people have this really, really droll, dry sense of humor, which I find really charming. Anyway, so the fella says to him, he says, oh, this is a vegetarian. Hmm. He said, he says, I've got something just for you. So he digs around and he goes in and he opens up the rumen sack of the caribou stomach and he reaches in and he pulls out the partially digested lichens that the caribou's eating this green, foaming green stuff. And he holds it out and he just takes a handful of it. And the Inuit guy just licks a big bunch of it right out of the palm of his hand. And, you know, it's steaming hot and it's 40 below. And, and everybody's standing around and this guy's eyes go, you know, as wide as saucers. And he says, he says, he says, how about some of this? He goes, this is all vegetable. He said, it's called Arctic salad. <laughs> it's good for you. Lots of vitamin C, you know, and this kind of thing. And he just 
licks his fingers off and mm, 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 like this. And this fellow's eyes are big and white and he, and, and he wide and he and he just and he just kind of standing there. He's not too sure what to, quite what to say. So the Inuit guy looks at him kind of funny. He says, he says, that doesn't appeal to you? He says, uh, he says, I know, we got something else for you. And so he works around and he peels the, the hide back off and he reaches in and he pulls out these little beads, white, uh, translucent colored beads. And he has three or four of them in his hand. And he says, here, look, Arctic grapes. <laughs> and he takes two of them and he pops them in his mouth and down they go. And, and I, you know, my experience had been a couple of years in the North, but I'd never actually seen this done before this state. I was wonder what that was. So <laughs> anyway, somebody nudges me and whispers in my ear and says, well, those were warble fly larvae under the caribou skin. <laughs> So he and so this fellow is starting to you know turn a little paler under his under his toque. You can see that he's not really appreciating this very much. And he says, uh, so the our Inuit fellow looks at him and he says, hmm. He says that doesn't do it for you. And he says I got something better. So he goes in the caribou's head and he he carves out the caribou's raw eye and he slices it in half, you know, and opens it up and like an egg. And he and he looks at the guy and he says, here you can have half of this. He goes, this is Arctic jelly. And he just. <laughs> And he just literally empties the eyeball of vitreous out of the eyeball. And this guy looks at him and he, and he, and he pauses. And for a second there, he, he just, you can't hear anything. And you can see the twinkle in the Inuit fellow's eyes. You know, he knows I he's got him. I got him. I got him. And he says, and he just, out of his mouth, he says, can you cut me a steak? <laughs> like that. And we just all roared, you know. And in the meantime, in the tent, there was, somebody had been, cooking up a big vegetable stir fry just for him because of this, you know, is he, it, all, I'm a vegetarian, but we, they had him good. And, uh, that was, uh, one of the stories, but that story goes on further. So we had been out in four or five days. And when we go out and set up on the land, of course we have cabin tents, wall tents that they set up. But one night it got really, really windy on the, on the ice and, you know, it's dark early. And the days are getting longer, but it still gets pretty, you still got a lot of darkness that high north. So we had uh, set up on the ice late with the tents, but really, really windy. And we realized that our guest hadn't been to the bathroom in quite some time. He hadn't made use of our facilities. And mm -hmm. our facilities were a small tent set up with a five-gallon pail and a toilet seat. You know, that was that was the best we could manage on the road kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's a standard travel loop. Yeah, so... Um, we had set up and somebody commented to him and says, you know, we haven't seen you, you know, hit the bathroom or hit, hit, the, hit the toilet for any length of time or anything like that. He says, you sure you're okay? He says, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And we kind of started to worry about him because he, you know, he had been switched his diet a little bit and he did, did eat some caribou meat and things like that. And we were worried more that he wasn't going to be able to do anything. And, um, and eventually he started to grouse that his, his guts weren't, flowing or running properly so uh we said well you know um uh, we can we can take you into the nursing station there was a community not too far away from our road where we were traveling through and about 30 miles out and uh eventually that yeah we have to go so he's like no so we set up the bathroom for him and said here you go mm -hmm. and he's like i'm not using that <laughs> i'm not using that so we're like okay so we literally had to take him into the nursing community or nursing station in the community. And, uh, I do believe they, uh, they, um, gave him the, the, the best enema he's ever had in his <laughs> life. Um, and he, he, we had gotten about halfway across our journey over this time period and 
he uh, never came back out on the road with us. He actually called up a helicopter and got into a place and took the plane back and we never saw him again. That was the end of the adventure with our, with our <laughs> environmentalist from the from Washington, D.C., where he came from to promote this program. So we carried on as teachers and Inuit and elders yeah. and everything, and we went on to, to promote the program. But, yeah, he just he just vanished. That was enough of that. That was enough of that. Yeah, <laughs> that. So, yeah. so that's that's my... That's my little tale. Well, that's a great story. And, and surprisingly, not the grossest story we've had on the show. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. One of our earlier episodes, we, we had a, a, a mortician on telling some of his worst experiences coming up. Awesome. So, yeah, some fly larva under the skin. It's child's play. <laughs> so. so tell me about some of these projects that you have on the go. You said you're the, you're the director of the Northwest Mounted Police Commemorative Association Brass Band. There has to be something, something to tell, well, tell about okay, that. Well, okay, so... So I've, I've been a, a brass musician since I was a kid, and I've played uh, trumpet uh, for, you know, just about uh, just about 40 years now playing trumpet. And uh, so I've played with big bands. I've played with marching bands. I was a military musician for a while when I was in the Canadian Forces, and I've been a, a band teacher um, as well. With you know, I teach schools, so I've been teaching music off and on over my career as well. I joined the Northwest Mounted Police Commemorative Association about what's it 2018 so i guess about six years ago now mm-hmm. and, and for uh, for listeners from outside of canada the northwest mounted police was the precursor to the royal canadian mounted police which is our there are federal policing organization here they're uh, more or less akin to to the fbi in america yeah i guess you could say that they were originally founded um to prevent uh, the whiskey trade from taking foot back in the 1870s and so the government decided to put together a policing force uh, to go west and, and and prevent the whiskey trade from taking place with local people, and because it was quite rampant, and Canada was actually at the time under uh, you know prohibition, mm-hmm. so they had to enforce that. So they created this force, and wherever the Northwest Mounted Police established a fort, a post, um, they would establish a community brass band, and the members of the force would play, and then they would get you know mixing with the local people that settled around the posts, and they would develop. Uh, community bands. So when I joined the association, I pitched the idea of why don't we start our own post band here in Calgary and rebring that back to mm-hmm. life. Now there's a really cool, interesting modern connection to that. The first guy to start a post band here in Calgary was a gentleman by the name of Fred Bagley. And Fred Bagley was a boy bugler, 15 years old, came west with the original Northwest Mounted Police in 1873. Oh wow. It was one of the original 300 and ended up here in Calgary toward the end of his career. Uh, but he had established the, the post band here um, in Fort McLeod, Fort Battleford, uh, in Canmore and Banff, the band, um, Fort Walsh. The band moved around went wherever he got posted. So mm-hmm. he did a career of 25 years with the Northwest Mounted Police. And then in um, whatever year it was, 1889 or 1899, I guess, when they were getting ready, he, he had finished his career with the Northwest Mounted Police re-enrolled in the Canadian military and actually did another 25 years of the Canadian military serving in South Africa and World War One, and as an officer and, and, and again running these bands. Uh, upon his retirement in 1935, he started the Calgary Citizens Band and that was the precursor to the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra we have today. Oh, wow. So the, the founders of these, and there was a, another guy that was involved and his name was Cappy Smart and there's a band today that plays in Calgary called the Cappy Smart Band. And it was the firemen, the firefighters in the early days that were in that band. Because Cappy Smart was a famous, one of the first 
you know, big names in the firefighting community here in Calgary as well. So we decided to create this, uh, it's a reenactment band, a brass band, because the original bands were, you know, a brass band. Mm-hmm. So they played cornets and um, euphoniums and alto horns and helicons, which is like a tuba. Uh, and they had a drum corps. And then that idea was taken over to Depot in Regina when Depot was moved to Regina. And they developed the, the band program. And the RCMP later had their own bands. And they had a show band, and they had a brass marching band, and that has all evolved now into today to their uh, their pipe band program. So, our band is a reconstruction of an eighteen eighty two post band <laughs> that would have been out west in those days. We wear the period uniforms and play period music as well on uh, on you know modern replicas of period instruments. And uh, we were today, for example, we were at Fort Calgary helping out with Family Day, and we go into mm-hmm. the theater and we play at Fort Calgary. Um, we we travel to the Bar U Ranch, we travel to Fort Calgary, we go to Fort um, Fort Steele down in Cranbrook, yep. uh, and we perform, we play on Canmore Miners Day, just to name a few. And uh, our group is uh, about 22 strong, and we've been running now for four years with the band. And uh, it's been awesome. Um, and uh, we're growing, and um, yeah, if, if anybody's interested, we are a volunteer band. We don't get paid, we do it just out of the goodness of our hearts, but our our uh, association looks after our uniforms and our expenses, that kind of thing, to help uh, to help develop it. Well, cool. And taking it even further back in history, you're the Hertog of the Vikings Vinland Society. Yeah. <laughs> well, so let's tell them what this is all about. Sure. Well, the the Vikings Vinland Society was uh, formed uh, in 2006 um, in its in its infancy in in Canada and in the United States. Uh, we there was a number of people that were interested in historical reenactment of the Viking Age, mm-hmm. um, and there was a lot of enthusiasm around the 940th anniversary of the Battle of Hastings of 1066, which was the Saxons and the Normans, and of course the Viking invasion in the north, and a lot of people were interested in participating in that in the UK, and so a bunch of us got together and we said, let's form this organization, and then we've been liaised with the parent society in the UK. There had been a Vikings uh, reenactment society in the UK since the early 1970s, called the Vikings and we became over time we developed a relationship with them and then several years ago we were actually officially recognized as the North American chapter or what we call the phalag which is just the, the, the word for a large word for a large group mm-hmm. um, and we we formed here in North America and so we have 15 different groups now spread out across Canada and the US um, and some range from you know four or five people up to 40 members and what we do is we, we train and we do demonstrations and historical displays uh, on the lifestyle, lifestyle and culture of the Viking Age, uh, what we call the heyday of the Viking Age, sort of that 793 to 1066 window. Yep. Um, and we do various events and we portray the Vikings across uh, this time span. And um, we do combat with uh, swords and shields and spears and all kinds of the weaponry of the time. Blunted, of course, but all yeah. <laughs> real steel, all real steel weaponry. Yeah. Um, what yeah. what I always said when I was fighting is yes, it's not a sharpened sword. I, all I'm doing is swinging five feet of metal at a friend of mine. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right, exactly right. And uh, so we have a lot of fun doing that. And um, we are one of our groups in Toronto. They just finished a stint with the Royal Ontario Museum, and the Viking exhibit was there. Uh, our Denver group also was involved with the Viking exhibit, traveling out of Sweden uh, at the Denver M- Museum of uh, Civilization. So they. They have, um, we've, we've really kind of upped our game in that regard and, and, and we're trying to keep our reenactment standards very high. 
and we work based upon um, all the known archaeological evidence that's out there. And, and of course, there's constantly more being revealed with new archaeological techniques and all the different uh, technology that's being used in archaeology yep. now. Uh, there's lots of new information coming out, you know, almost, almost it seems like daily in some cases, uh, to dispel that myth and mystery. So we're working very hard with that. And we've got, you know, three groups here in Alberta that are going, and we've got groups, like I say, all over Canada and, and, and all spread across the U.S. as well. Fantastic. And how we originally met was uh, through the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride here in Calgary, which if you've never seen the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, it's it's quite the parade. It is all vintage style bikes and people dressed to the nines in, in suits and ties and a lot of sort of 20s and 30s proper prim wear. And it's all a uh, a charity event raising uh, raising funds for uh, the Movember Foundation now, which is uh, uh, men's mental health and prostate cancer research. But this past year, I did not have access to a vintage style bike. So the organizer said, you know, put on your suit, bring your camera, come down. I'll, I found you a ride. And uh, and Warren came on a uh, on a sidecar. So I got to ride in the sidecar, shoot photos all the way through the ride, which, you know, I was a little sad not to be riding myself, but got some amazing shots, like shooting down the line of bikes as we're on the uh, on the road and that. And you you have that bike because you are also the uh, the owner of a company called Rocky Mountain Sidecar Adventures. That's right. Um, we started our company in uh, 2015, just a few years ago, and um, we have uh, six sidecar motorcycles now. And um, <clears throat> we um, we looked at uh, an opportunity. We purchased our first sidecar motorcycle, my wife and I, and we really got excited about the prospect of well, how could we show off our great part of the province here mm-hmm. in Calgary and the western side of Calgary and you know around the Calgary area how can we show that off uh, to people from a totally different perspective uh, where you're not encapsulated in a, in a bus or a car or something like that so we thought why not take and use sidecar motorcycles to do this and, and there are other organizations and companies around the world doing this in various locations so um, we started you know acquiring the sidecars and looking into all the business side of it and uh and it has grown steadily uh, every year. Our, our, our capacity and our business model has eventually, essentially doubled in size. And um, so we're, we got involved with the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride because we felt with this, this type of bikes that we were using and the fact that we you know, really support uh, men's health uh, through prostate and prostate cancer, or through, sorry, through prostate cancer research mm-hmm. and development in that realm we thought it would be great to be able to provide rides for those that couldn't ride or or didn't have a bike but wanted to participate so so we we offered our bikes up to the organizers and said we're, we're happy to take somebody along and support the cause and we had our own team sidecar and we were fundraising as well on the side for it and uh i got liam in the sidecar with me that day and uh uh, and away we went, and it was quite the adventure. It was a cool experience. I've never been in a sidecar before, so it was it was something completely new for me. Yeah. So this year we're we're developing our we've got our, our latest project. I'm keeping it under wraps. I'm mm-hmm. not going to reveal it because uh, hopefully that'll get revealed soon enough. Uh, but um, we have another another project on the go with our sidecars, and um, you know we're looking forward to our tour season, which is just around the corner, and uh, uh, we, you know we're getting all our gear ready and our bikes ready to go and looking at it for the 2018 season and uh, looking to be busy yet again. 
Well, great. We're, we are definitely going to make sure to get uh, links up in the in the liner notes for where people can find the Brass Band, the uh, the Vikings Vinland Society, as well as, of course, uh, Rocky Mountain Sidecar Adventures. So look in the liner notes for that. And if you're interested, if you're in the in the Calgary area and you're interested in seeing the foothills or even getting a tour of the city in a completely new perspective, definitely check out Rocky Mountain Sidecar Adventures. You will not be disappointed in that. Warren, thank you so much for joining the show and for, and for sharing your stories. And thank you all for joining us as well. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. If you did, make sure to head over to iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts from. Hit that subscribe button so that you never miss a future episode. While you're there, we would love it if you would leave us a rating or a review. The more of those that we have, the higher we'll appear in search results, allowing us to find more guests and bring more stories to more of you. If you have a story that you would like to share on the on the show, contact us at capturinglegacies.com and we'll get you on. In the meantime, remember, everybody has a story to tell and it's time to tell yours. Visit capturinglegacies.com to get started. <laughs>